Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie The Two Mrs. Carols from 1947. The studio was Warner Brothers. Release date was March 4th, 1947. The running time, 99 minutes, and it was in black and white. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guy gives it two and a half out of the four stars. He writes, Shrill murder drama with Bogey. As a psychopathic artist who paints wives as angels of death, then kills them. Barbara Stanwyck registers all the degrees of panic as the next marital victim. Now this has been a fairly recent discovery for me because Warner Brothers has been releasing a number of classic films on DVD through their on-demand service where the discs are DVD-R, not factory press. Now since the DVD buying climate has been on the steady decline for a while, I'm one of those dinosaurs that frankly just enjoy owning something instead of relying on a streaming platform, I understand that having the old DVD pressing model isn't like it is in the early 2000s. However, if you ever wonder if some of your favorite movies will be edited or have a warning label at some point, get ready for it, or they'll just simply edit it out. Uh, The only way to avoid that, you better own the film. Then they can't touch it. Anyway, let's get into the making of the film. So this movie is an adaptation of a play written by Marguerite Vale Valier, who wrote under the pen name of Martin Vale. Now, the play itself had more gotcha moments than what the film ended up having. Warner Brothers brought the rights to the play in 1944, and Betty Davis was going to be the star of the film adaptation. This then changed to Ida Lupino and then Zachary Scott being the stars of the film. Of course, this never happened, and Barbara Stanwyck was cast as the female lead, and her co-star was going to be Paul Henry. Stanwyck actually took the film because she was supposedly bored, as her husband at the time, Robert Taylor, was serving in the military during World War II. Stanwyck was also friends with the director, Peter Godfrey, and had starred in the very fun comedy Christmas in Connecticut in 1945, which I own and will be an episode at some point because it's also Lindsay's favorite movie, holiday movie at least. So when delays of the production of The Fountainhead were announced, Humphrey Bogart became available, and then he was cast as the male lead. The Fountainhead was eventually made with Gary Cooper and Patricia Neal in 1949. The Two Mrs. Carols was completed in 1945, but of course not released until 1947. Some of the speculation for the delay was that the plot was too similar to Gaslight, which was released a year prior in 1944. Ironically, critics said The Two Mrs. Carols was too similar to Suspicion, which was directed by Alfred Hitchcock and starred Cary Grant and Joan Fontaine in 1941. All right, let's get into the film. So it opens in Scotland with Jeffrey Carroll, played by Humphrey Bogart, and he's on vacation and sketching his girlfriend of two weeks, Sally Morton. That's Barbara Stanwyck. And they are by an, a river stream. A storm suddenly occurs, and they find shelter in a cave. When Jeffrey goes to get their picnic baskets, he gives Sally his coat to stay warm. Sally notices a letter on the ground that fell out of the coat pocket. It's addressed to a Mrs. Jeffrey Carroll. Now, Jeffrey admits he's still married and has a young daughter. Jeffrey claims that the letter was to ask his wife for a divorce. She's an invalid since having their child Beatrice, played by Ann Carter. Sally, though in love with Jeffrey, can't accept that Jeffrey is still married and runs off in the storm. Jeffrey returns back home with his wife and daughter. Prior to returning home, Jeffrey bought a package from a chemist and used a different last name, which is very suspicious. Mother... 
your mother? About the same. Not well. She's resting now. I wish there was something more we could do for her. I know. Any sale today? Same old routine. There's an artist I have what the English call definite promise, but that doesn't pay off in cash. It will one day. You're a genius. Mm -hmm. It's a pity that only you and your mother and I recognize that fact. Wait until you finish this one, Father. Then they'll all know. The angel of death. You think it's good, huh? I should say I do. It's frightening, of course. Makes me shiver sometimes. But so definitely, Mother. Yes. Do you think she'll live until you finish the picture? What are you talking about? Of course she'll live. What do you mean? Don't get excited, Father. We both want her to live because we love her so much. That doesn't mean she will live, does it? Uh, come here, B. You feel much closer to your mother than you do to me, don't you? I don't know. I hadn't thought of it. But... Yes. I believe I do. Why? Well, for one thing, you've been away so much. Painting in Paris, then back to your own country for a year. So many trips. Uh, I suppose that's true. I've always been here with Mother alone. It's only natural, isn't it, that I should feel closer to her? Mm-hmm, I suppose so. Oh, you mustn't misunderstand me, Father. I love you, too. And I admire you tremendously. It's just that... Well, I understand. I understand. Time for Mother to have her milk. I've kept it warm. Here, I'll do that. I'll take it to her, dear. Oh, good. She likes to have you do that. She told me so. I'm glad. Put my hat and coat away, will you? I won't be going out anymore today. Certainly, Father. private school. School? Tomorrow? Yes. Your mother's done a wonderful job with you, but it's time for you to mingle with other children, children your own age. Oh, I don't mind the idea of school. In fact, I rather like it. But with mother so ill, and then there's the money. Oh, you let me do the worrying. I'm used to it by now. We'll talk it over with your mother later. I'll do anything you say, always, because I know you're doing what you feel is right.
Though we never actually see it, it's quite obvious Jeffrey put something into the glass with the warm milk in it. We then fast forward two years, and Jeffrey's wife has died. Though it's never stated, she was likely slowly poisoned. A man named Charles Pennington, played by Patrick O'Moore, comes to visit Mrs. Carroll. We then discover it's the new Mrs. Carroll, Sally. Penny, as she likes to call him, is an old fiancé who has come to visit her after not seeing her for almost two years. Penny is a successful lawyer, but never quite got over losing Sally, but doesn't seem to harbor any ill will towards her. Jeffrey currently isn't in a great mood, as he's unsatisfied with any of his latest painting attempts. He's also not very thrilled by Penny paying an unannounced visit to Sally. Charles Pennington, darling. I told you all about him, my ex-fiancé. Your ex? What's he doing around here? I think I'll break his neck. Oh, don't be silly. You're not jealous of Penny. Oh, you've got some wrong information. I'm jealous of anything or anybody that takes your mind off me for a single second. I like that. But we must hurry, Jeffrey. They'll be here any minute. Nope. You'll have to get along without me. I'm not going downstairs. What nonsense. Of course you are. You wouldn't insult friends of mine. Friends? You've never even seen them. Well, I've seen Penny before, haven't oh, I? Oh, Penny again. You know, I have the strangest feeling that this is the beginning of a beautiful hatred. Now, Jeffrey. Well, if I do see them, for just a minute, only a minute, mind you, what do you give me? What do you suggest? A kiss. But there isn't time. You see? They're here already. Sorry? Jeffrey, I don't think that's... No kiss, no change. Oh, oh Jeffrey... The clients and guests of Penny are Mrs. Latham, played by Isabel Elsom, and her attractive daughter, Cicely, played by Alexis Smith, who are roaming around in the Carrolls' garden. Now the Duke of Wellington. <laughs> Not bad. Cicely. I think our Victor Hugo's are much better. Don't you agree with me? Yes, Mother. Mm. Charles. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Carroll has money, hasn't he? Otherwise, he couldn't afford all this. Well, this is Mrs. Carroll's house. Her father left it to her. Carroll's been doing pretty well himself these days. Had a one-man exhibition in London a few months ago, you know. Really? Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard about it. Mm, rather successful, too, I understand. What's his background, Charles? What part of America is he from? Well, I don't know exactly, but from what I hear, he doesn't talk much about it. <laughs> he doesn't talk about it. There's one thing we're quite certain of. He's not from Boston. Mm. Green fly. May I ask, my dear daughter, why this sudden interest in Geoffrey Carroll? Nothing sudden about it, Mother. No great interest. It's just that I've seen some of his work and rather like it. Doesn't that sound reasonable? Yes. That's why it doesn't sound like you. Hello. Hello. Sorry we've kept you waiting. <laughs> Not at all. Mrs. Carroll, this is Mrs. Latham. Miss Latham. Clients of mine, but nice people just the same. Mrs. Latham, Miss Latham. My husband, Geoffrey Carroll. How do you do? And, Geoffrey, this is Penny. You, I've got news. I don't think I'm going to like you. Pity. I was just about to kiss you. Tea. Tea, everybody. Clear the table, somebody. I'll do it. Lay the cloth. Thank you. Those cakes you wanted, if I had any. There are none left. Lovely idea, having tea outside. Personally, I've never cared for it since I was stung by a wasp. Charming, these country servants. Yes, so refreshing after the town-bred variety. Has she been with you long, Mrs. Carroll? Practically came with the house. I don't know what I'd do without her. Milk, sugar, everybody? Both, please. Two lumps for me. 
I don't take tea, thank you. Anything else I can get you, Miss Latham? A cocktail, perhaps? No, thanks. I'm guarding my diet. Guarding it? You've practically got a death watch on it. It's awful the way these modern young women will torture themselves for a little beauty. Oh, I don't know. It's my opinion that beauty is worth any sacrifice. Any sacrifice? That's what I said, and when I say something, I mean it. Are you one of those frightening people who always speaks the truth? Always. I think Jeffrey's the most honest and truthful person I've ever met. How nice. <laughs> that, um, that one-man show that you had recently, Mr. Carroll, was it a success? Moderate. The critics were kind, but I didn't sell too much. You should have. I thought it was a stimulating exhibition. Thank you. Oh, you saw it, Cecily? Yes. In fact, it was then I decided I wanted Mr. Carroll to paint my portrait. Oh, it was then. Are you very expensive? Very. I always paint what I see. Some people find that embarrassing. I should love it. It sounds so ruthless. Some other time. Not right now. Oh, he'll get around to it, Miss Latham. People must suggest ideas to him before he paints them. Oh. And don't I suggest an idea to you? Yes, but nothing I'd care to paint. <clears throat> um, more tea, Mrs. Latham. Oh, no, thanks. I wanted so much to see the entire garden, but it's now rather late. Yes, and it's uh, now rather chilly, too. Just a few more minutes, Mother. I've never been insulted quite so delightfully. Have you some of your work here in the house? A few things. Would you show them to me? With the utmost reluctance. How charming. Coming, Mother. What for? Chaperone. Since when have you wanted a chaperone? Since I met Mr. Carroll. Penny, Mrs. Latham, please don't misunderstand Jeffrey. He's just exercising the artist's privilege of being difficult. Oh, oh, my dear, don't apologize. I haven't enjoyed myself so much in years. Charles, did you notice my daughter's face when he said, with the utmost reluctance? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> the seductive Sicily, as we come to find out, has met Jeffrey before and flirted with him in town. But he completely ignored her. Cecily used her mother's quiet privilege with Penny in order to get Jeffrey alone again. Jeffrey remains cold to Cecily, and she and her mother leave. Now, it's easy to be the temperamental painter he is because he lives comfortably off the inheritance Sally received, including their mansion that they live in. Quite a step up from the apartment he lived in with his first wife. After learning how wealthy the Lathams are, Jeffrey decides to paint Cecily's portrait. And, of course, the two begin an affair. Seems that Jeffrey has a number of gambling debts, as he pays off a bookie at a racetrack when he and Sally attend with the Lathams and Penny. After the racetrack, we see an ill and bedridden Sally attended to by Dr. Tuttle, played by Nigel Bruce. The doctor doesn't seem too concerned, but Sally keeps getting strange spells of weakness and headaches, and she isn't able to get out of bed. And I think you can kind of see sort of a trend with Jeffrey's two wives becoming invalids. Cecily visits Jeffrey one night at his home to tell him that she's going to go to South America. She wants Jeffrey to run off with her and be free to be inspired to paint in Rio. But he won't, or can't, leave Sally. It's the same scenario of when he first met Sally, and she was like Cecily. Cecily is tired of being the third wheel and tells Jeffrey she's through with him. It's at this point the psychosis that appears from time to time in Jeffrey becomes more apparent. To cover his tracks with Beatrice 
who saw when Cecily arrived at the house, Jeffrey says that she came over to discuss a prestigious private school that Beatrice will attend. Sally comes downstairs and chats a bit with Jeffrey, but he's called away for business in London. In reality, it's his bookie who wants Jeffrey to pay off more of his gambling debts. Jeffrey also refuses to let Sally see his latest painting that he's working on. Sally starts to get suspicious when she sees a flower on the floor downstairs, as the flower isn't from their garden, but the Latham's. Adding to her suspicion, Sally also discovers that Beatrice is going away to school when Sally sees her packing her clothes. While helping Beatrice pack, Sally chats with her, and from their conversation, Sally learns that Beatrice's mom, Jeffrey's first wife, was never an invalid like Jeffrey claimed. She was in perfect health, but then suddenly became ill, similar to the spells that Sally is going through currently. And the time period was right after Jeffrey came back from his trip to Scotland. He began painting the Angel of Death portrait. Sally asked Beatrice to show her Jeffrey's latest painting. B, I want to see that picture now. Your new portrait, you mean? Oh, good. Where did I put the keys? Here they are. Father's been so mysterious. Let's not tell him at all. It'll be our secret. Yes. Our secret. I talked to your father. You're to leave on the 11 o'clock train tonight. See? I know father pretty well, don't I? You're to be all packed. He'll drive you to the station. Christine is going with you. His instructions were very definite. I'm so glad you decided to see the picture with me. I bet it's the most thrilling thing he's ever done. This must be very special, because this is the first time he wouldn't show. I can't open this. Let me try. No. No, maybe it's just as well. Oh, Sally, please. I want so much to see it, and I'm leaving tonight. Please. Somehow I... I hate to open another door. What do you mean? Nothing. That must be it. The latest painting is of Sally. Okay, there's about 30 minutes left and I can't spoil the ending for you. So now that Sally believes she's going to be the next widow, what will she do? Will she be able to outsmart Jeffrey's nefarious plot? Well, you're just going to have to watch the film to find out and enjoy the suspenseful final act. So while this film might be a bit slow in parts, the acting talents of both Bogart and Stanwyck make this film very enjoyable, at least for me. And if you like mystery thrillers, you should enjoy this one as well. All right, some fun facts. So in this film, Humphrey Bogart says, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful hatred, which, of course, I believe is a nod to the famous line from Casablanca in 1942. I believe this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Bogart and Stanwyck had a friendly relationship on set. Producer Mark Hellinger, whom Bogart liked very much, agreed that Bogart would not be seen in any painter's wardrobe which would conflict with the tough guy image that he had cultivated. 
When a painter's smock and beret with a tassel showed up on his wardrobe clothes rack one day, the actor was furious. The smock and beret were a joke perpetrated by Stanwyck, and the two performers had a good laugh afterwards. All right, we have a special guest, Lindsay, who of course has never seen this movie before, but she loves Barbara Stanwyck, and she likes suspenseful thrillers. So how will she like this film? We're going to find out now, and I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Welcome back, and we're back with Lindsay, who's now the, the old movie expert, or she's the one that likes the old movies. When I give her options, she's like, I want the old ones. They don't have giant spiders or ants. Can you give me one with film noir? So that's what she's doing now. I like the giant spiders and ants, but hi, everybody. Hey, Brian. It's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me again. All right, so I give you three options. They're all old, and you're like, this is the one I want. I want Barbara Stanwyck. So what What initially was, uh, what drew you to this film? Well, I actually really love Barbara Stanwyck. I'm not a big um, old film fan necessarily. Of course, I'm becoming one now. But I knew Barbara Stanwyck from one of the few older films that is a favorite of mine from my past called Christmas in Connecticut. I happen to be from Connecticut, and I loved that film because it was really far ahead of its time. Barbara Stanwyck played, you know, kind of a, um, a a woman who was a writer that was very untypical for the women of those days. She had much more of a of a male perspective on life, not not wanting to have kids and not being a homemaker and such. And I just loved how she was in that film and her comedic timing was spot on and i know that this film isn't a comedy it was more of a serious drama and it was a mystery and i really like mystery so the fact that i really love how she played her character in christmas in connecticut plus uh i really love the idea of maybe like a mystery from back in this day um this one sounded like the one that was going to bubble to the top of the list. So Bogart started his career kind of as a heavy, usually playing a gangster, and then became more towards, um, I would say, the hero type. This one kind of harkened back to being a villain again, though we're not really sure he's the villain until maybe about halfway through. So um, did this movie shock you? Did you see it coming? Like, was it something that uh, uh, you had to really watch to find out what happens? Yeah, I think this one did a good job of, like, kind of concealing what was going to happen because you knew if you, I don't want to give a lot away, no. right? You knew a few things, but you kind of didn't know which way those things were going to go. You could see some of the disturbing patterns with Humphrey Bogart's character. He definitely seemed to have some patterns. Um, and you kind of wondered what was going to happen with that. I mean, he, he fought for the relationship with Barbara Stanwyck. And then he gets that relationship, and then there's the what's next element based on the film. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess I... There's some predictability, but not exactly. Like, it's not like I got to the end and it ended exactly like I thought, Mm -hmm. or every single thing happened in a very predictable pattern. Although, you know, I think the film did a good job of kind of re positioning him as a bit of a a lovable villain i guess well i think that there was a nice chemistry 
between Bogart and Stanwyck. But I, I mean, you're we were talking about this too. You know, you think about it today; those were two bankable stars. You would literally see a movie with either one of them in it just because they're in it. Where today, I don't you don't have that as much. You don't have that star cachet. But I mean, you basically had two top actors at the top of their game headlining. So whether this film turned out good, it is it is actually a good film. But uh, you go check this out. But besides them, the character actors in this are great. You especially liked um, Mrs. Latham, who plays the... She was hilarious. Yeah, played by uh, Isabel Elsom. So, Tons of yeah. one-liners that were really smart and witty. Yeah. Um, certainly, again, it feels weird saying this, but like not something you expected out of a woman from the 40s, but just really awesome like I, I just loved every line she had was was pretty pretty amazing and i i have to say that the the daughter b mm-hmm. who was played by what was her name ann and carter ann carter she was supposed to play a child that was kind of old for her years yeah. and she pulled that off really well she seemed much more mature than her age would indicate and i loved the part where Humphrey Bogart even made a a crack at that, you know, like she's 12 going on like 35 right. or something because she really seemed like that. And I I thought that uh, she's she kind of reminded me of me when I was young. She's more articulate than half the kids today, like more than half the adults oh, yeah. today. My God. For sure. She was she was really good. And I, I liked her, her character as well. And she is Humphrey Bogart's daughter from a from an earlier relationship. Right. And then Nigel Bruce, who most people know, including me, he's a great character actor, but he played Watson in the Sherlock Holmes movies with Basil Rathbone, but he's play, he plays like kind of this quack doctor who's kind of level, he but, he, is a but, quack, he's, yeah. he, but he's a drunk, basically. Yeah, totally. And and I think uh, Humphrey Bogart's character knows that, his character Jeffrey, and he, he leans into that for sure at times, um, which is kind of funny to watch him do that and watch the doctor kind of just ease on into that role that he really has because i mean you know the the doctor was like well you know back then a lot of times people called the doctor and they made house calls sure. and they came to your house i'm not saying they don't do that today i'm sure there it's are doctors very still rare, make house calls, but less so mm-hmm. i can't remember the last time i had one if ever and yeah i mean he definitely had a strange uh bedside manner that made him seem quacky and a little less than professional. Well, and and we we laughed at the the blatant sexism of like women never get their facts straight. You know, oh that's, yeah. yeah, he literally said that, yeah. which was mind blowing. But also, again, I'm trying to remember the time. Yep. Um, and I guess during the time, any that, drinks? Yeah, any <laughs> drinks? I guess during the time that would have been considered funny, even though I have a hard time finding humor in it. I guess somebody then. Well, may it's like have. the old women driver joke jokes, you know. Oh gosh. In any case, um, the acting is terrific in this. The story is actually good too. Um, it kind of harkens back, definitely to to movies like Gaslight and Notorious. Um, if you haven't seen those, then you should definitely check those out. But definitely, of you kind of know who the villain is, but you're you're wondering how things are going to play out. And even when they do play out, which we won't give away, it's not quite the ending you expect either. No, I guess it isn't quite the ending you expect, which is why this film was kind of cool. Uh, uh, something I liked about it mm-hmm. that just has nothing to do with the story is the visuals on this one I thought were really neat. A lot of it's taking place in England, and the house that Barbara Stanwyck lives in is a beautiful like estate home. Mm-hmm. And 
everything about it was kind of cool looking and uh, I don't know I, I just loved the visuals on this one I thought her um, I've always found her to be impeccably dressed in the movies that I've seen her mm-hmm. in but I just thought she had on beautiful gowns and it just visually this was a pretty and kind of stunning mm-hmm. film to look at it, it in a weird way kind of made you want to be where it was happening even on the kind of rainy stormy nights it still had a bit of a charm that you're like oh i i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind being there for that right so i i like that element it was something that stood out about this film well i think what's great about barbara stanwyck she she was a great comedic actress too because she's been in fun when well, you saw it in christmas and Ganega, but she also obviously could play serious as well so that 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 made her kind of a uh, well-rounded actress how did you like alexa smith who played the the strange name of sicily I mean, Cecily Or Cecily, was, yeah. Yeah, Cecily was, you know, she's the woman most women love to hate, right? Yeah. Like, she is pretty elitist, and mm-hmm. she drops in there like she can have whatever she wants, but she's pretty cunning, and she's pretty good at figuring out how to get that. I mean, I thought she was nowhere near as attractive or charming mm, as Barbara. Barbara Stanwyck, but that that type of, you know... Um, that type of female character has a tendency to be able to worm their way in into some of these films and, and get what they want. And I feel like um, she she was certainly one of those types. She played it very well as an actress. I think she sure. did a great job in that role. Um, you know, kind of being the person who comes in and wants something and will do, you know, what she needs to do to try to get it. Um, of course, she had cooperation in getting what she wanted, and I'm being a little cagey because, of course, I want people to watch the film. But as an actress, I thought she did a great job with that role. And something that was really funny, or maybe that's the wrong word, but just noticeable, I guess, is this film is strange and all this tension about like bringing ex-partners in to play or like courting new ones in front of the current one it's very weird because when i think back to this time like the 1940s this would have been the time that like my grandparents were getting together and getting married and all of that and what's so bizarre is you tend to think of that time as people find each other and fall in love and then stay together for 70 years and that's just how it is and this film actually put some, what of a damper on that, because here you have Humphrey Bogart, you know, uh, early on with a with a original It starts with an affair. Who was sick, and it immediately starts with that, and that's not the first thing I think of. And then the, the D word, divorce, comes up. Yep. And you're like, wait a minute, isn't this the 40s? Did people yeah. actually get divorces? And that was a little weird. And then when you couple that whole bit with... On Barbara Stanwyck's end, she has this attorney whose oh, yeah. nickname is Penny, Penny yeah. uh, who is this like, dashing debonair attorney, right, that uh, she was once engaged to, comes into the picture, and then Bogart's kind of pissed. Like, why Why is your ex-fiance showing up at our house and having dinners here and stuff? Like, what, what the hell's up with that? But then again, uh, it, there, there's the irony, because he basically cheated on his wife to get the... So exactly. he has no leg to he stand on. He has no on. leg to stand on, but... I think when I when I envisioned this time, it was for more myself, pure and yeah. It was much more wholesome yeah. <laughs> and above it's board. Not. And when I watched this film, I think it reminds you like 
No, yeah, it's, no. This was I, happening I don't all think always. that it was it, that this construct is not uh, new. Right. <laughs> it's well, if anything, they had these affairs because they couldn't get divorced. Yeah, they, so. but the, but the whole. I feel like if you really looked at, and I, and of course I favor the Barbara well, sure. Stan Wicky character over Humphrey Bogart. Well, you're supposed this, to, which you're supposed to, but like. It is weird that she's just inviting her ex-fiance oh, to yeah. hang out and then saying to him, like, oh, darling, you can't possibly tell me that you're jealous of him, are you? And it's like, duh. Like, wh- I mean, that's weird. Like, yeah. you're acting kind of like, oh, silly husband. This isn't a big deal. And, and you know, it is kind of a big deal. I mean, you don't want to cart your, like, ex in front of your current partner and be like, let's have dinner. Let's hang out. Like, that's weird. So, he has his own troubles. Sure. Don't get me wrong. Absolute zero free pass. But her coming in and being like, oh, you can't possibly think this is bad. You're like, what? yeah, it's bad. Well, look, the Roaring Twenties weren't called the Roaring Twenties for nothing. They were out going crazy. And so, if you watch pre-code movies, you'll know that it wasn't as wholesome as, as uh, they wanted. Not. Yeah. Clearly so, not. So you would recommend this movie, I take it. You, I would. You enjoyed it. And you actually were kind of, uh, we, we watched this kind of late, but you, you're like, no, I want to find out how this ends. So you yeah. were engaged enough to, to stick with I it. I was. I thought it was really good. And I, I think it's weird almost how much old times mirrors current times. Well, you of just course. need to see it as a reminder because, again, that's not kind of what we grew up thinking or 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 believing or seeing necessarily so this one kind of was a reminder that uh challenged relationships the complexities of of being with people um that has been as old as time now some of the 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 not so good things that happen in here are 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 significant and serious right like the way humphrey bogart handles the exits of his relationships i would not say is above board no um, but the fact that these challenges exist and persist through time is, is stark reminder. Well, in today's TikTok culture, no anything that's older than twenty minutes, people are like, oh my, what this? No, this only happen. This this only happens now. Like nothing in the history exists because you know why go back further than a year? Um, but no, I mean, that's why it's. I think it's really fascinating watching these films because really nothing has changed in many ways. The the basic of human nature. Really doesn't change. No, I think it's been like this the certainly since the forties. I mean, show me some older movies, but certainly since the forties. And but I would recommend this one. I, I think this one is really good. It has top notch, top shelf actors in this, yeah. and I think it looks pretty visually stunning. And I think the acting is strong. And I think it's a it's got some of these more good like story. controversial things, which is always yeah. interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can't. I can't argue with this one at all. I would say put this on your list. And I've always liked Barbara Stanwyck from my other, you know, um, past film sure. experiences. Well, and when I get more, I'm going to, I'll show you other yeah, Barbara she's Stanwyck. Great. She's got a ton. I think she's a wonderful actress. She is. And I really enjoyed this film. Of all the ones you had presented me with, this was the one that I wanted to watch first. Well, good. Well, thank you for doing this and uh, stay away from that milk. Yeah, I don't like milk anyway. I'm a non-dairy person now, so no problem. Good. Thank you. 
If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. 